think back a couple songs. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. That saved what? How many of you like to call yourself a wretch? But that's why we can exalt them, because no matter what you think of yourself or what you even know about yourself, his amazing grace was poured out for us. Um, As the children leave the room, please keep in mind that there is always room for more volunteers downstairs. Shelly needs helpers. And so for her to continue being able to do what she's doing, we need volunteers to go downstairs occasionally. So last Tuesday was what day? Valentine's Day, right? Okay, so how quickly we forget. Um, I just learned this myself, not that it was Valentine's Day, but the 14th of February also culminated the National Week of Marriage. Anybody else know that? February 7th through the 14th was the National Week of Marriage, so how appropriate to end it on Valentine's Day, right? Um, With that being kept in mind, Anna and I, you won't be seeing us for the next couple weeks, so don't think we've bailed on you or we're, you know, tired of this place. We're going to a marriage conference, okay? And before you, you can pray for us, but, you know, if anybody wants to step up and do counseling for us, you know, have a go at it. We're good. Ann and I have had a heart for a long time about seeing marriages get stronger, about having couples go into marriage with a strong foundation in Christ. And so what we're doing, we're going to this marriage conference to improve our marriage, to make ourselves a better couple, a more godly couple. And we want to be able to bring that back to this region. So we're going to scout it out, if you will. We're going to check it out and see if it's something that we think would be beneficial to all of you to this area. Because if we can get marriages and families stronger, what's that do to the church? Makes it stronger. It makes the word of God more relevant to those when they see healthy marriages, when they see healthy families. So keep that in mind. Pray for Tammy and AJ as they are returning from California and the prophetic conference that they went to out in Bethel. So pray for their travels and then pray for Ann and I as we travel south. Um, The theme of this whole month is family and fellowship, right? And I want you guys, again, we've had the chance to look around. We've had communion time where we've got to gather in small groups and look at each other face to face. But what is a family? So those of you, if we look around the room, we can see little pods of families, right? And so if you're a family group right now, I want you to hold hands. And the little family groups that we see sitting around here, you're united by birth, right? Got a husband, wife, children, brothers. You're united by blood, right? All right, you can let go of each other if you want. And then there's also the fellowship part of it. And what is fellowship? It's when you have a common goal that unites you into little groups. And that can be any number of things. It can be your favorite sports team. It can be an activity. It can be, you know, bird watching. There's all kinds of different things that can bring people together, different people into different groups to have fellowship, to come together. 
And we're also, all of us sitting in this room, we could all do what AJ did that one Sunday, is ring this room and hold hands, right? Because are we all family? We're family by birth. We've been born again. We've been united by the blood of Christ. So if you call on the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're all family. We can unite our hands. No matter what birth family you're from naturally, we're all united in Christ. And the fellowship is a common goal. And our common goal should be what? Sharing the gospel. Sharing the amazing grace that was poured out on us to make us a new person, even though we were once a wretch. So the fellowship that we can come together with is I've been saved and the world needs to hear about it. And so that's part of the fellowship that we have. And one of the common things that you see is anytime families come together, when we have fellowship together, the Thursday night potlucks that we do, what's one of the common things that you'll always see when families come together? Food. <laughs> Food's a good thing to draw people together, isn't it? Okay, you offer people food, Come out of the woodworks. So family and fellowship. Um, over the last few years now, we've been gathering around meals. We've been sharing food. We've been having Bible studies. We've been having classes. We have worship nights. We have different reasons that we can draw ourselves together into this family unit. And we've been rebuilding those relationships. And some of you are working on getting a group to go together to go see a movie. Anybody of you aware of that one? Say somebody spearheaded that, that there's a, I think it's, what is it, Jesus Revolution? And the movie's coming out. So here's a common goal. Here's a movie coming out that's going to proclaim the gospel. And somebody has taken the step of saying, hey, who wants to go see a movie together as a group? And so one more opportunity to get together fellowship and family. Whether there's food that night or not, who knows? Popcorn, yeah. Food? <laughs> But today, I'm going to go the totally opposite direction on you guys. We've been talking about food and you know, all that that entails. But today, I'm going to talk about not having food. Fasting. Fun subject, right? How many of you have ever done a prolonged fast? OK, good. Quite a few of you in here. Well, we all do a fast every night, right? Yeah. When you're sleeping, you're fasting. That's why they call it break fast, breakfast, breaking the fast. Um, as Christians, who's our example? Jesus. So should we do all the things that he did? Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus said, when you fast, was he asking a question? No. What was he doing? Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And so I was thinking about today coming in in a ratty shirt, my hair all disheveled, you know, some holy, not holy, jeans that are all ripped up and look like a bum, okay, to show you how I'm fasting and my life is miserable. Is that how we're supposed to do it? No. Okay. That the way we fast should only bring glory to God. It shouldn't draw attention to ourselves. And so Jesus said, when you fast, 
Again, he's not asking you a question. He's not making a suggestion. He's saying when you fast, do it unto God. Don't do it for a show or for people to say, hey, he's a very pious man. Look what he's doing. He's giving up food. He's giving up whatever it is that you happen to be giving up. And there's so many different ways to fast. And it's a spiritual discipline. And the reason that we do any spiritual discipline is to bring a change in our life. So whatever the spiritual discipline happens to be, whether it's fasting, whether it's reading the Bible, prayer, meditation, all the number of things that you can do to get closer to God, it's about changing your behavior. So reading your Bible is a spiritual discipline. So if you have a favorite TV show that you like to watch, what kind of behavior change would it require for you to say, I'm not going to watch the show at 8 o'clock. I'm going to read my Bible instead. Okay? That's a spiritual discipline, isn't it? You have to make a conscious choice to do something different than you've done it before. And so if you choose to skip a meal, that requires a change, doesn't it? That no matter what your body says, you know, those growls start happening, you've got to ignore them and say, this time is for the Lord. And so instead of just skipping the meal and doing something else, dedicate that time to say, I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to listen to a Bible teaching. I'm going to do something that's going to build my spirit up. You may be starving the physical body, but the purpose of it is to grow the spiritual health. And so it's not something normal that you do. Another thing I want to say with that is a fast is you're not punishing yourself. Nobody likes to punish themselves, right? Okay. It's not punishing yourself. It's a sacrifice to God. You're saying, here's my appetite, Lord. You take it. Wow. It's, here's this TV show that I normally watch. You take it. And what do you ask him? Are you asking for anything in return? No. You should. More of him. There's a lot of reasons to fast, but when you say, Lord, here's my appetite, my attention or my time, God will give you in return wisdom. He'll give you strength. He'll give you answers. So it's not just a one-sided thing that you're just doing something for the sake of doing it. You're not saying, here's my appetite, here's my time on the television, my time on my device, whatever it happens to be. It's, God, I'm giving it to you because I know I need something. And every single one of us has different needs. So with the fasting, um, how many of you have one of these? Do all you family groups have one of these? We didn't give one to every single person. At least we weren't trying to. But every single unit, family unit in here should have one of these. And if you don't, you can pick one up on the way out of here. But this is the plan that we have going forward starting February 27th is a 40-day fast. Sounds pretty daunting, doesn't it? Do not do a 40-day food fast <laughs> unless God specifically tells you to do that. Because a 40-day fast without God's intervention will kill you. Just to be blunt, right? So do not think we're telling you that we're all going to do a 40-day food fast. We are not doing that. This pamphlet explains a lot of the reason for fasting, the biblical reason. And as you can see, it's Reset, Renew, and Revive. Um, we're going to be teaching more on this as, go, as we go along, but I just want to cover a couple things with you. Um, 
if you want to go ahead and follow along, on the first page, the second paragraph, it says, PF has seen many changes over the years, but our core values on what we were founded have not changed. We were created to show forth the praises of God. That's a starting point right there. That's why PF exists. And even though things have changed in the intervening 30 years, that's the reason PF still exists, is to show forth the praises of God. Bottom paragraph. Many exciting words have been spoken over Praise Fellowship for 2023. There is a strong sense that the church stands on the brink of a major move of God. We believe that the sparks of revival fire have been lit. And for this reason, leadership feels led to set aside 40 days for the purpose of a fellowship-wide fast. Okay. So that's what we're coming into this next season, the 27th through April 6th, leading us right up to Resurrection Sunday. Pretty good timing, right? Next page talks about the 40-day fast. It says, you know, it's what is fasting. Next page after that gives you some biblical examples of fasting in the Bible. And then the middle part of the pamphlet here, why should you fast? And I just want to quickly read over a few of those reasons. Um, top of the right-hand page, fasting and prayer can restore or strengthen your intimacy with God. That's a good enough reason right there, isn't it? Because do any of you have the utmost intimacy with God that you can possibly have? Or can we all have a little bit more intimacy with God? So fasting is going to bring that. It's going to bring a deeper intimacy with God where you're saying, even though my physical body may feel weak, God, I still want to lean on you. I'm going to lean on you because you are my strength. Food is not going to be my strength at this time. The second one, fasting is a way to humble yourself in the sight of God. You, might you may find yourself relying on God more fully for strength when you fast. Fasting and prayer can help us hear God more clearly. And fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition. And then I'm going to read that next to last one there. When you experience revival in your own life through fasting, the grace and love of God can shine through you into the lives of others. So fasting is for us to get more intimate with God, to get a deeper understanding of who God is, but it's so he can use us more strongly to reach others. That's his purpose for saving us, is to bring us into the family so that we can go bring more into his family. Our motives for fasting should ultimately be to glorify God. And then if you flip over to the next page, types of fasting, it goes over some you know, different ways that you can fast. Fasting safety, safe fasting tips and guidelines. So we try and cover a lot of the basis there on what a fast is, why we should do it, and just even the different ways to fast. And we'll be going over that more. Like I said, that's for your, you know, to read on your own, study it a little bit, look at the scriptures that are mentioned in there. But how many of you want to see God move in your life? How many of you want to see God move in your family? Move in this church? Move in this nation? Okay. How does that happen? A lot of different ways that it could happen, but it starts with spiritual discipline. Many times it requires you to do something you've never done before or something you're not comfortable with doing because it takes you out of your flesh. It takes you out of your natural um, 
comforts, the things that you feel okay in doing. And so when God asks you to do a fast or when he says, when you fast, is that something that everybody's looking forward to? Everybody's just really saying, all right, when do we start this thing? I'm going to give up lunch today. I'm going to give up supper. It's starting somewhere, though. And obviously, you know, Jason referred to it. Um, everybody is talking about the Asbury Revival. Does anybody know how the Asbury Revival started? The accounts that I've read is Asbury was having a normal worship service, a scheduled time of worship. It was over. The majority of people left, and a few people said, we're going to keep going. We're enjoying the presence of the Lord. And so because a, people, a couple people stepped outside of the, the parameters of worship time is over, we're moving on, we're going back to classes, whatever it happened to be, a few people hung around and said, nope, I don't need to go to class. I don't need to eat. I don't need to go see my friends. I'm going to stay here and worship God. And something came from that. They did something beyond the normal. They did something beyond their schedule and God's moving. So, are you willing to do something you've never done before? That's the question we need to continually ask ourselves. One person fasting, if out of this entire room, one of you decides to fast, God's going to meet you. There's going to be transformation in your life. But if that one person's family all fasts, what's going to happen to the family? That family is going to be transformed. What happens if this entire body, corporately, were to fast? Is God going to find glory in that? Is he going to meet us? Is he going to transform this body into what he wants it to be? That's our hope. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Turn in your Bibles that you all have here with you. Matthew chapter 4. A very familiar passage to all of you. And Jesus has been baptized by John in the Jordan River. Highlight of his encounter. The dove has descended on him, or the spirit has descended on him like, like a dove. God's proclaimed that this is my son whom I'm well pleased in. High, highlight of his life. The father says, I'm proud of you. What's the next thing that happens to him? The Holy Spirit takes him into the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. That doesn't sound quite right, does it? But Jesus had to be tempted in every way that we were so that he could understand what we're going through. And so here we have it's baptism. Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness and says that he was to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He's just a man, isn't he? How is that possible? 
Because if any of you have ever done a full food fast for even a couple days, how do you feel? You feel weak. You can get confused because your brain chemistries, your hormones aren't in the proper levels that they should be. So the physical body has been compromised. And yet Jesus did a 40-day fast only because God told him to. God sustained him. And after those 40 days is when Satan came to tempt him at his weakest point. And the first thing Satan tempted him with was, was with what? There's stones. You have the power to turn them into bread. Do it. Break your fast. Feel better. Feel your body strengthened by the nourishment that the food will bring it. But Jesus knew that his time wasn't over to break his fast. And so he rebuked Satan by using the word. But in doing these things, he set that example for us. That he said, when you fast, not if you fast. And so he set the example by fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and then being tempted by being, and being buffeted by Satan, playing on the weakness that Jesus had in his body that, all right, you don't want to make bread. Exalt me. You're weak. Now's the time that I can take your weakness away. And Satan tempted him in so many different ways that Jesus was able to resist because of his foundation, because of who he was with the Holy Spirit leading him, knowing why the Father had sent him. And so when you fast, prepare yourself. Know that Satan's going to come against you because he's going to understand that they're fasting. They're going to be weak. Now is the time that temptation is going to come. Now is the time that attacks will come because he's seeing you're weak now. And are you leaning on God or are you leaning on your own strength to carry you through one more moment, one more day? Or are you fully leaning on God? Another example I want to have you look at is Ezra. If you want to find Ezra, go to the Psalms in the middle of your Bible and go to your left a few more books. So find the Psalms, go left past Esther and Nehemiah, Ezra chapter 8. And in Ezra chapter 7, backtrack a little bit, the Israelites had been carried away into captivity by the Babylonians. One of their many times that part of their nation, their people had been carried away because they had been disobedient to God. They weren't worshiping God. And at this time in Ezra chapter 7, the king of the Babylonians, Artaxerxes, had given Ezra permission to take some of the people and go back to Jerusalem and build back up the city. It had been basically neglected for decades. And what happens if you neglect your house for decades? Does it look new? <laughs> it's going to have some problems with it. And so Ezra had gained permission to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And so Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 and 23, I'm going to read those now. Ezra speaking says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Hava, that we might humble ourselves before our God, to seek him the right way for us and our little ones and our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort 
of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy because we had spoken to the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayers. So Ezra has gained permission to take some of the people and go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the city, the city of God. And he had bragged to Artaxerxes that the God that we go to serve is great. He'll take care of us. Artaxerxes, being a kind king at this point already, having granted them permission, said, I'll send soldiers to you know, escort you on the way. It's a long journey, and we know that there's going to be bandits. There's going to be other armies out there that will try and destroy you. Okay, nice guy, right? But because Ezra had said, our God is great, he will take care of us. Ezra said, I had to humble myself and not be ashamed by accepting an armed escort. Because if he had accepted the armed escort from Artaxerxes, what would that have said about his boasting about God? I trust you, God, but hey, Artaxerxes, give me some armed soldiers to get us there safely, just in case. So Ezra said that at the river Ahava before they began the journey is that we fasted and treated God, asked God, God, you've given us direction. You have a calling on us to return to Jerusalem. So they weren't seeking God's will. The will was go back and rebuild Jerusalem. They knew what they were going to do, right? So they weren't seeking God for direction or for wisdom on how to do this or what to do it. They were asking God to get them there, to get them from Babylon back to Jerusalem. So that's what the fasting for, a nationwide, a corporate fast, saying, God, you've given us direction. We know where we're going. We know why we're going. We just need your help getting there. And so does Praise Fellowship have a purpose? So we know what our purpose is. What we're fasting for is for wisdom on how to get there, protection on how to get there, the resources on how to do what he's called us to do. Those are the many of the things that we're going to be using this fast time for, is to know what our goal is. We know what our goal is, but what we're asking is his favor to help us get there so we can fulfill the purposes that he created us for. So they weren't fasting for direction. They already knew that. They were fasting for God to provide them safety for them and their families and all that they were taking with them. So there's lots of examples of fasting in the Bible. You know, Esther's fast when um, they were going to be destroyed by Haman. Um, some of those different scriptures are in the little pamphlet that you have there. But let's bring it to this country. What's tomorrow? It's Monday. Thank you. President's Day. Okay. Pop quiz for all you historians. What's, what presidents are we celebrating tomorrow? Specifically, Lincoln and Washington. All right. So 
we know what the biblical model of fasting is. Lots of examples in there. Jesus was the example of the biblical fast. Did you know that eight times during the American Revolution, the Continental Congress, who, who was the Continental Congress to us? Were they the government? Okay, so some of you already know where I'm going with this. Is our government, the Continental Congress, eight different times specifically declared a national fast during the American Revolution to ask the favor of God for wisdom and strength? So that's our government eight different times during the American Revolution saying, Lord, we need you. Eight times they called for a national time of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I could go on for quite a while, giving you multiple examples of presidents and governors of states in the years after that, for the next 150 years easily, of proclaiming national days of fasting, our government proclaiming that. And I want to read specifically, um, tomorrow, we, President Abraham Lincoln, 16th president, is one of the presidents we remember because his birthday being here in February. In the midst of the Civil War, one of the worst times in this nation's history, these are the words that he spoke in a proclamation calling for a national day of fasting in the midst of the Civil War. And this is his quote, intoxicated with unbroken success, We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of re redeeming and pre preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. He spoke those words back in the 1860s, but to me they ring pretty true to our nation today. We think we've got it all made that we're very arrogant and think we don't need God anymore. I know that's not us as a body of believers, but that's, this nation founded on principles of Christ has drifted so far from them that can you imagine or even dream of our government today calling for a national day of fasting and prayer? That'd be great. But if we don't see that happen, we can still do it. We're called to do it. And so what Abraham Lincoln said there, it behooves us to humble ourselves, individually, family-wise, corporately, it behooves us to humble ourselves and seek the clemency and forgiveness of our God. And are God's promises empty? This has been one of my favorite scriptures that when I first read this 20 years ago, it really hit me. Isaiah 58. And those of you that have been around long enough, you've heard me refer to this scripture often. Isaiah 58 is what happens when you fast. And Isaiah 58 is just an example. These are the things that God is waiting to do. 
is this not the fast that I have chosen? Up until this point, what God's rebuking the nation of Israel through Isaiah is, is that they would fast for show. The same thing that if I came in here in three weeks and, you know, was all, you know, my cheeks are all sunken in, um, I'm wearing ratty clothes because I've been fasting and I want you to know I'm fasting. Is that going to be honoring to God? How many of you are wrestlers in here besides Tim? I know Tim is. As I was preparing this message, I had a flashback to my high school days. I was not a wrestler. Um, but a lot of my classmates, my friends were wrestlers. And I remember them having to cut weight. Okay? Did you ever have to cut weight, Tim? <laughs> okay. You knew these guys when they needed to cut weight. Because they, you know, back in my day, is they would wear these suits that looked like a big garbage bag, kind of, <laughs> to make themselves sweat. And they would wear this thing all day long. And they would look miserable. Because they had to cut weight to make whatever weight class they were trying to wrestle in. And so there was no doubt you knew who the guys were on the wrestling team that weren't making weight for some reason. And they had to cut 16 pounds in three days to make it for the match. Okay. They were you know, fasting. They were doing whatever it was to cut some of the weight out of there. So if I were to do that to demonstrate to you my piety, my righteousness, and make a show of it, that's not honoring to God. And that's what the Israelites were doing. That's what Isaiah's rebuke of them was for, was that they were making a show. They were trying to make a spectacle of themselves to draw attention to just how religious, how good they were. And God says, it's not it. You're not doing it for the right reason. And so what Isaiah gives to us here in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, he says that the fast that God chooses, that if you're truly fasting for transformation, for intimacy with God, these are the kind of things that are going to happen, that the bonds of wickedness will be loosened, that you'll undo the heavy burdens, you'll let the oppressed go free, you will break every yoke. You will share your bread with the hungry. And you'll bring into your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, you will cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard or your protector. He's got your six to put it in those terms. So when we fast, those are the kind of things we should expect. Is that if you've got bondage in your own life, God's going to break it. If you're wrapped in chains of sin, God's going to break them. If you see the oppressed free, if you're oppressed by anything, God says, I'm going to set you free. So are those good reasons to fast? It's all about our time with God. It's about knowing him more intimately and knowing the things that he desires. He doesn't just desire to make our lives miserable. He doesn't desire to make you fast so you're weak and you're hungry all the time. He desires for you to do things that are sacrificial so that he can honor that, so that he can step into your life and break off bondage, 
so he can set you free from things that have been holding you back. Fear of man. Anybody got the fear of man? Okay, let me ask that another way. Who wants to come up here next Sunday and give the message? Okay, some of you would be willing to do that, but some of you would say, absolutely not. I'm not getting up in front of people. And I've seen that in even the ISIM classes where there's only 10 or 15 people in the room and I'll say, who wants to pray? I've got people who won't even look at me. So I know that there's a fear of man that we're more afraid of what people think about us than what God says about us. And so those of you that you know, know who I'm talking to, I'm not doing that to make fun of you. But it's, it's the truth of it, is that you've been hurt by somebody making fun of you when you spoke out, or you had a bad experience when you spoke out in front of people. But those are the kind of things God wants and will deliver you from because he wants you to have the power and the boldness to proclaim his goodness. And that requires you opening up your mouth in front of people. So some of you may never come up here and do this. I don't want to do this. You may not believe me, but talking in front of people was never one of my favorite things to do. When I was in college and we had to do a um, public speaking class, I didn't have a choice. I had to do the class, otherwise I don't graduate. I looked for ways to get out of it. But when God tells you to do something, you need to do it. You don't have to do it, but you need to do it. Because the gifts and the talents that every single one of you have inside of you, God wants to use them for the goodness of the body, to build up his body to make it stronger and healthier so that when People with bondage, people that are broken, people that are hungry, when they come into this place, they've got a family that's going to surround them and say, you're safe here. You're welcome here. So Isaiah 58, 6, one of my favorite scriptures. Um, Jason, would you come back up? Jason's going to play keys. As we prepare for this corporate fast, I'm going to ask for a, a willingness to demonstrate your faith, to do something maybe that you've never done before. And I'm going to step away for a second while Jason gets ready there. I'll be, I'll be back in a moment. Don't anybody go anywhere. <laughs> Having this mobile thing makes it a little easier. I can hear myself out here now. I want everybody to get their device out. up on the stage, that's fine. But what I want to end this service with today is your option, your ability, your opportunity to lay something down on the altar. And these things are amazing. I heard something a few years ago that the power that you have in your little iPhone You've got more capability, more computing capability in your hand than these massive rooms that they sent the astronauts to the moon with. So if you can imagine a hard frame computer probably filling this room, the computing ability they had that sent men to the moon and back, you got more power than they did. <laughs> That's how far these things have come. But these things are also a bane to our society. 
And so what I'm going to give you the opportunity to do is to offer it up on the altar, literally. I'm not going to start a brazen altar up here and we're going to throw our phones in a you know, charcoal grill. But I want you to think of this symbolically, is that how many of you have had issues with this thing? That it's put a wedge in your marriage. that you've wasted time playing games. <laughs> Siri doesn't want any part of this. Siri does not want you to sacrifice to God. What's that say about Siri? I want you to Hold your phones, your tablets, whatever it is you happen to have with you right now. I want you to take it out physically. I mean, I walked all the way back there and got mine. Take it out of your pocket. Take it out of your purse. And if I were to ask every single one of you to check your um, activity log, I guess it would be, how many hours a day do you spend on social media? How many hours a day do you spend playing games? Are you willing to trade that time reading your Bible instead? Listening to a, a Bible teaching? Listening to the Bible on audio? Is, are we serious about becoming the people that God's called us to do? Are we willing to sacrifice and say, this thing is a great tool, but it's also a time waster. It's a family destroyer. It's a life destroyer. Because not only can we access so much information, but we can also access evil on this thing. And so if any, and I'm not asking for a show of hands for any of that, but what I want every one of you to do, if you're willing, is actually, I'm gonna, before we even go there, is how many of you would be willing to hand your device to your spouse? How many of you would be, of you children that are still in here, how many of you would be willing to hand this to your parents or your grandparents? I see some of you doing it, great. But if there's hesitation, if you would take this and hand it to Jesus, he knows your password. But would you be willing to do that? If you can't say that, search your heart, repent, ask for forgiveness. That's good preaching, Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. It's, a, it's about sacrifice. Is if walking with Christ was easy and it was just following a bunch of rules, everybody would do it. But to follow Christ means that we obey his commandments. He said, you are, you are my friends if you obey my commandments. And so if there's something in your life that's holding you back from fully engaging your faith, fully committing yourself to him, we're told to lay it down. And so that's what the example I want to set for you guys is I want you to bring your devices forward Lay them on the altar. 
symbolically you're saying, this thing does not rule my life. And that if there's anything that needs repented of, now's the time to do it. Offering buckets will be out for you to get your devices back. Everybody will get a paper notification. But those of you that are old, are old enough, I'm old enough to remember when these things didn't exist. But yet we still managed through our days. And I thank you for all of your willingness to I mean, do this simple act. But this is what God asks of us, is what things are keeping you from fully giving your life over to him? What thing are you not willing to sacrifice? I mean, this is a simple act. I'm not going to stand up here and look at your phones one by one to see if there's anything that needs to be repented of. That's between you and God. It's between you and your wife. It's between your family. But your willingness to do that at any time, and some of the classes we've run, that's one of the commitments we make to each other, is that when we encounter each other on the street, we'll ask each other questions that are directed towards the issues that we're trying to deal with. That we open ourselves up to say, we're brothers in Christ, we're sisters in Christ. I now have the freedom to ask you about your life. And are we trusting each other and willing to do that? This is an example of that, is that you being willing to do this and litter this place with your devices is just one example of that. Is that, you know, maybe one of these times we'll say, open it up, enter your password, and let's exchange phones. That'd be an interesting experiment, wouldn't it? But in knowing that Jesus is constantly looking at us, the Holy Spirit never leaves us or forsakes us, right? So when we're doing these things with our phone, playing games, wasting time, sinning, Holy Spirit's knowing it. We're not hiding anything from him. We're only hiding it from ourselves and the ones we claim that we love. And so always a time to repent, always a time to ask for forgiveness because as we allow him to cleanse us with his blood, we become a pure vessel to be used by him, to pour out his love and his spirit. So thank you for your cooperation, for your willingness to think and to, to do something that you may not have been comfortable with. So as we enter into this 40-day period of fasting starting next week on the 27th, prepare your minds, your hearts, your souls to be able to do things like this, to lay down things that are holding you back to say, I'm gonna sacrifice one thing or this thing, I'm gonna sacrifice a meal, I'm gonna sacrifice an hour of TV, whatever it happens to be, God will honor that. So, if you would, everybody stand, let's close in prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your loving word, we thank you for your amazing grace. 
that even though each one of us is a sinner, we've been cleansed by your blood. We've been redeemed by your son hanging on the cross to fulfill your purposes, to step into the things that you created us for, the gifts and the talents that you've put inside of us, Lord. Let us see those gifts and the talents and the need that this body has for them and that we'll stop holding ourselves back, that we'll stop limiting you and the things that you can do. Lord, we need your presence. We call out for it, Lord. Just show us a, a strength and a power that we've never experienced before because this world needs your presence. This region, this town needs us to step into the reason you created us. So as we go forth from here today, Lord, we just give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may retrieve your devices and have a great day. Good job, Rich.